Hello, welcome to Divinitas. I'm Father Marcus Holden, and this is a podcast to explore ideas of faith, culture, and life from a Catholic perspective. I hope you can tune in regularly. Hello and welcome to our second episode of Divinitas. Today we're focusing on the rededication of England as the Dowry of Mary by all the bishops of this land. We're going to be looking at the significance of this rededication at the time of the coronavirus in which we find ourselves. I'm going to have some interesting reflections upon this rededication and also some guests to speak to about it and Marian devotion. So stay tuned in for this episode. I read the following text from the Dowry of Mary Tor and the coordinator from... Um, for the Basilica of Our Lady of Walsingham, the Outreach Coordinator. On the day of the rededication, Sunday, March the 29th, 2020, the bishops of England will rededicate England as the Dowry of Mary with the invitation extending to all priests and lay faithful to pray the rededication of England as Mary's dowry prayer in their parishes at the end of each Mass. This will be the moment when England's ancient title as the Dowry of Mary is re-owned with full knowledge and consent by the Catholics of England. This momentous day will herald a renewed understanding of the grace and privilege of the spiritual authority which this ancient title has prophetically and spiritually in God's providence been granted to England. A great evangelical work is before us if we are to witness the conversion of the entire realm. This is a moment when the final part of the dedication of King Richard II in 1381 will come to pass. Mary, do thou rule in it. Quare legis Maria. Mary, do thou rule in England. O Mary, O Mother, reign o'er us once more. Be England thy dowry as in days of yore. Amen. Hello, I'm joined now by Antonia Moffat, who is the Outreach Coordinator for the Basilica of Our Lady of Walsingham, and also the coordinator for um, the Dowry Tour. And with the rededication of England as the Dowry of Mary by all the bishops this Sunday, it's wonderful that you can be with us, Antonio. Welcome. Thank you, Father. It's a joy to be here. Fantastic. And how are you uh, coping in this situation, this uh, coronavirus lockdown? 
Well, like everyone, I'm, I'm, you know, in my home um, in Hertfordshire and, uh, you, you know, abiding by all the uh, decrees coming from the government. And uh, at the moment, I'm absolutely fine. I go out and, uh, you know, I can get provisions when I need. But uh, it's very, very strange. And I am so thankful and full of gratitude for the Walsingham, Our Lady of Walsingham Shrines um, live stream, which is a spiritual lifesaver, I think, for many, particularly for us who live on our own, um, but for everyone at this time, you know, to be able to join in a programme of prayer that begins at 8.30 in the morning with the Divine Office and takes us through the day with three Masses, opportunities for three Masses, um, Rosary, Stations of the Cross, Divine Mercy Chaplet, and 24-7 adoration of the blessed sacrament day or night where I, it is such a solace and also to feel that I'm part of a very very great praying uh, community it's wonderful uh, yes yeah, wonderful that all these live stream um, masses and opportunities are there and uh, I do encourage people to to go to that the website of our lady of of Walsingham and um, just wanted to ask you about the uh, in the the the, uh, the rededication that's coming now this Sunday, and can you tell us a little bit about it, its background, uh, and why it's significant? Yes, um, I mean, who could have believed that we would be making this act of rededication of England, uh, consecration of England, entrustment of England as the dowry of Mary amid such a a global pandemic and an extreme crisis um, and I'm just I, I'm just so grateful to God that we here in England Mary's dowry um, have been preparing for this for three years um, maybe not may, not everybody knew about it but the faithful ones have been praying so and repenting of the sins of this nation and and preparing spiritually and all this will go towards the great moment when we together with our bishops uh, proclaim this rededication on Sunday the 29th of March. And the history of it is that East Anglia, where Our Lady of Walsingham Shrine is, was the first part of England to belong to Our Lady by decree of the King. It was King Edmund Martyr, who was the King from 855 until his death in 869. And then, of course, Our Lady of Walsingham appeared in the reign of King Edward the Confessor in 1061. And then what followed in 1381, at a time of great national chaos, fear and uncertainty, was when King Richard II um, set aside and gave the entire realm of England to Our Blessed Lady. And he did this on the um, Saturday following Corpus Christi in 1381, and this is what he said. He said, Dos tua virgo pia heg es quare legis Maria. This is your dowry, O Holy Virgin. Do thou rule in it. And in that moment, when King Richard formally assigned England to our Blessed Lady as her dowry, he was confirming what was already in the ancient tradition um, because people used to speak about it as belonging to Our Lady. It was something that the ordinary folk um, spoke about. But when he handed over and gave England in that moment, it was in perpetuity 
that is forever. So England truly belongs to our Blessed Lady and Our Lady of Walsingham's mission is to bring the peoples of England back to Christ and it will be then that our Blessed Mother will rule in it. So what we're doing with our bishops on Sunday is affirming that great gift that um, King Richard II gave in giving England to Our Lady. But we now have the bishops with the full spiritual authority under God and the Holy Father, with us, the laity, supporting them, along with all the clergy, um, endorsing this great um, moment um, of the rededication and affirming what um, by decree of a king, albeit in 1381, did at that time. So I have great hope that the Lord, through the powerful intercession of Our Lady of Walsingham, is going to bring us a great grace. That's a wonderful thing. And I, I think there will be many graces that will flow from it. It's, um, it's very, very timely, I think. And there's a spiritual intensity to the present moment, which... Um, as you say, it, it, we couldn't have planned that this would happen now, but I, I mm. think it will bring a great blessing upon the sufferings of this time. But there's also a promise of this time where people perhaps are a little bit more open. Maybe their ears are open to things spiritual in this, this, these challenges. So um, let's ask Our Lady to really intercede for us. It's going to happen at 12 o'clock on Sunday. So what what will actually happen practically around the country? And uh, obviously plans have been changed because of the coronavirus. But what can people now do spiritually uh, and practically in their homes to be part of this? OK, well, I'll speak first about the um, spiritual preparations that we now need to be making because we're two days away. And then I'll come to the actual arrangements for the day itself. So at the moment, as you have quite rightly said, Father, we're in the midst of a national and global crisis and more and more people are turning to prayer and realising that this um, present crisis is bigger than what we can deal with ourselves. We need supernatural um, help. And so it's very important that we, we pray and that we pray the rosary that we spend time in adoration, albeit um, through online streaming, that we, you know, commit ourselves, if we can, to attending one of the daily masses and making a spiritual communion. It's very important that we um, uh, invoke the saints and martyrs of, of, of England, those martyrs and saints that gave their lives during the Reformation and before and since for Christ. And their prayers are powerfully with us. And just recently, I have found the most extraordinary prophecy um, that was uttered by an Italian um, missionary on mission to England in 1608, which was still, you know, in the times of the great persecution of the Reformation. And he ended one of the prophecies that he spoke about, uh, about how there will be great graces in future centuries given to England, that England will be a light to the nations. And he said, these special blessings shall be bestowed upon you for the sake of the eminent merits of the saints of this kingdom and the hardships and the sufferings they've undergone for my sake. So I exhort you to go to the Walsingham um, website 
and download that litany of the English saints and martyrs. And today and tomorrow and on the day of the rededication, please invoke them. And there was a Turkish um, monk in the 17th century called St. Arsenius of Paros, who uttered this prophecy. He said, the church in the British Isles will only begin to grow when she begins to again venerate her own saints. So very important to invoke our own saints. And then the other area, which um, maybe we haven't been paying enough attention to, but which now the Holy Father, through this extraordinary um, uh, Urbi et Orbi um, time of prayer, which is to happen at five o'clock um, tonight, in which we're all invited to join Pope Francis in, in St. Peter's Square on live stream, where he's going to grant to the church, to all of us who have the open, repentant hearts, the most extraordinary plenary indulgence, because he realises that many thousands and thousands of people are dying without the sacraments. Many of us do, cannot go to confession. And this is an opportunity at the awesome mercy of God to, to give us a, a plenary indulgence which um, will free us for, from our sins. But in order to be open to that, we need to make um, a solemn act of, um, of repentance and confession of sin through a, an individual um, act of contrition. And, you know, the graces of the rededication, this entrustment of England, this consecration of England to our Blessed Mother, that the more powerful will be those graces, the more we, we repent of our own sins before God and also acknowledge that we as a nation, England Mary's dowry, have sinned against God. We've passed laws and, uh, and we've been behaving in ways that go against every commandment and all the, um, I, I mean, I and mean, I don't need to say any more, but look at the prayer of Daniel 9 in the scriptures and many other of the Old Testament prophets. We should be on our knees, on our faces, repenting of these sins, acknowledging the millions of unborn babies that we've allowed to be slaughtered, the, the elderly that have been euthanized, that the young people whose minds are being, um, you, you know, stolen from them, that their purity, it, it, it just goes on and on and on. And we can't think that we're going to rededicate England without making an act of repentance because when we make a consecration a rededication an entrustment we are setting aside something to be holy and how can we be holy as individuals if we don't confess our sins and how can we be holy as a nation if we're not prepared to to go before the lord and say we've messed up we've got it wrong so, yes, the, this opportunity for prayer with Pope Francis tonight at five o'clock uh, happening just on the eve of when we're going to um, rededicate England on this Sunday, to me, is, is an even greater sign of the awesome mercy and gratuitous grace that God is ready to grant England and all the other nations as well that are all pleading with him for help at this time. And just one final word um, about the uh, 12 o'clock itself on the Sunday 
Uh, Would you recommend that people uh, make a live link to one of the centers that are doing something with a a special prayer or should they do something on their own at home? What would you what would your recommendation be? Well, the recommendation is obviously it's going to the time. The the official time is 12 o'clock. That's when the rededication prayer will be led by Monsignor Armitage from the National Shrine of Our Lady in Walsingham. But there will be other parishes, individuals and bishops in their cathedrals doing it at other times. But I would exhort you, many of the bishops are going to be in their cathedrals um, and they and many of them have already set their times, but you need to go to the various websites and find out. And it's really important that, that our bishops know that they are connected with us, the laity, in, in their cathedrals. It's also very important where parishes, where parish priests are leading the rededication um, online, live with their parishes, that you, you do go and join them and you let them know that you join them. Because it's not just about joining everything with, with Walsingham, because we, we do have tens of thousands of people that are joining through that because we were one of the first to set it up. So yes, Walsingham will be um, live streaming it. You can go either through the YouTube channel or on Facebook. Um, and then many, many, as I say, the bishops. And if you go to the website, you'll see that that um, many of our bishops have written the most wonderful words um, of encouragement. And as I say, we all need encouragement at this time. And obviously, if you don't have um, a computer or opportunity for Facebook or whatever, and you're just in your own home, um, you know, get hold of the prayers um, uh, and, and pray them on your own. But, but it, it is there's something powerful that we can all join together um, online. And, and again, I, I never thought I'd be thanking God with, with such gratitude in my heart for, for the Internet at this time, that we can use it for a great power uh, for good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Antonia. And uh, really great that you could be with us today. Um, coming up next, we're going to be explaining what an indulgence is and the, um, the prayer of, of, the act of, of a perfect act of contrition to prepare ourselves for that. Um, stay tuned. Thank you very much. Thank you. Today, on this Friday, the 27th of March, the Holy Father in Rome will give a special urbiate orbe blessing to the church and to the world, to the city of Rome and to the world. This is normally given at Christmas and Easter and when the Pope is newly elected, so to have it now is very unusual uh, and extraordinary. But given the coronavirus and the terrible um, suffering and um, isolation that people are feeling this blessing is being given uh, today at 5 p.m. Roman time so it's 4 p.m. according to Greenwich Mean Time uh, there'll be prayers at um, in Rome and then the blessing people have been asking the question what is a indulgence a plenary indulgence that comes with this special blessing given only by the Pope we speak of the um, forgiveness of sins, and yet an indulgence doesn't forgive sins. It's to mend the 
the soul after guilt of sin has been taken away. So it's part of the healing process. With every sin, there is a punishment due for that sin. There is, we call it the temporal punishment. There's a, a repairing of, um, to be done, a reparation. And through the merits of Our Lady and the saints, the, the Pope with his authority of binding on earth with the keys and uh, whatever is bound on earth shall be bound in heaven as our Lord said to the first Pope St. Peter uh, the present Holy Father can use those keys to unlock uh, the merits of, of the saints through the centuries their prayers and superabundance of sufferings that are there for the faithful today they are then received under the usual conditions. Everybody who participates in the state of grace receives an indulgence, but for those who make a detachment of their lives from sin, their hearts away from all, uh, even venial sin, anything that's contrary to the will of God, if we, we move ourselves completely away from that in our intention, in our will, and we... Um, also make communion and confession um, confession first then communion within 20 days we receive the plenary indulgence which is the entire healing of the soul the entire removal of the damage caused by sin the entire removal of the temporal punishment that was due to our sins this is a tremendous gift that is unlocked through the power of the keys now you may be thinking it's impossible for us in this time to receive confession, uh, the absolution of confession and Holy Communion. The, the Holy See can remove those conditions uh, and it, what it is said is that these uh, are to be received as soon as possible. So the usual 20 days uh, are not mandatory here for an plenary indulgence. So we can receive that indulgence um, with it regardless of the 20 days so long as we do um, make the intention to receive confession and communion as soon as we are able and that we do follow up with that we have to make a, an act of contrition though it's an act of repentance for sin to receive this indulgence um, to be detached from sin and I'm going to I'm going to read to you uh, an individual act of contrition now that you might want to say. O oh Lord, forgive me my sins, the sins of my youth, the sins of my age, the sins of my soul, the sins of my body, my idle sins, my serious voluntary sins, the sins I know, the sins I do not know, the sins I have concealed so long and which are now hidden from my memory. I am truly sorry for every sin, mortal and venial, for all the sins of my childhood up to the present hour. I know my sins have wounded your tender heart. O oh, my Saviour, let me be freed from the bonds of evil through the most bitter passion of my Redeemer. O oh, my Jesus, forget and forgive what I have been. Amen.
um, Jacob Phillips are on the line um, from isolation, as we all are in our homes at the moment during this coronavirus. Uh, Jacob Phillips is the director of the Institute of Theology at St. Mary's University. And I'm delighted uh, you can be with us. And um, you wrote a book on, our, on Mary as the star of evangelization. Hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, well, the idea for the book really came about originally because it seemed to me that Mary is often approached in apologetics and in discussing evangelization as, as uh, something of an obstacle often. And she's often relegated to the, the final chapter or penultimate chapter of a, a short booklet on the Catholic faith. And I always thought that was a great shame. And my own experience and the experience of some converts I knew and some people who had had their faith revitalized in adult life was that Mary was actually at the center of that process. And if anything, she was somebody who had functioned as the pivot for a renewed encounter with Christ rather than a, an awkward afterthought. So I wanted to think about evangelization with Mary very much at the center of things. Um, which is what originally inspired me to write the book. Because I think sometimes you find um, that a lot of evangelization um, tends to, as you say, ex exclude Mary. It's not Marian mm. in character. Mm. And, and yet she is the grace disciple and, and Christ came to us through her. And she is there at each of the key moments of, of the redemption. Indeed. I mean, she's the first to bear the name of Christ. And um, it, it, it's, it's to her... She is the one to whom the name is revealed, and evangelization is the sharing of the, of the most holy name of Christ. So it, it needs to be done in, with, and through Mary at every moment, I think. Yes, it's, it's, it's important for us to, to recapture this. And a lot of people have been making a Marian consecration in England at this time, mm. um, many of them following the 33 days leading up <laughs> to uh, the Annunciation that we've just had. So it, it, it's a, re a time of rediscovery of the role of, of, our, of Mary in our Christ life. Indeed, and I think it's a wonderful opportunity for renewal. Um, I myself had done the Marian consecration a couple of times in, in recent years. Um, but when I first heard that these plans were afoot, um, I was delighted to join in and do it myself. And in fact, how could I not want to join in knowing that it's being done um, by other Catholics for this purpose, you know, other English Catholics for the purpose of rededicating uh, the culture of this nation and its people um, into the heart of Our Lady. So it, it, it was a very, a very exciting and wonderful thing. I'm delighted to be participating in. And what would you say? What would you say the, the significance of this rededication is going to be? Uh, we, we're going to have the bishops rededicate England as the Dowry of Mary on Sunday. Um, mm. What, what, do you, what do you think the significance of it is and, and, what, and what, what, what could it bring about? Well, I think it's important to think of this language of Mary, of, of England as the dowry of Our Lady. Um, I think it's important to think of it as a theological and spiritual reality for us today, not merely um, a historical artefact, <clears throat> although it has historical roots and it's related to a particular event um, in the medieval period. I think it's very much, um, it's very timely because we're in a, a, a position of great transitions. I'm talking before the, um, the global pandemic. We're already in the last two or three years at a time when the dominant ideologies, the dominant 
um, scheme of history, um, the secular mindset has been challenged like never before. And there's a much more of an open arena of ideas out there in the public square. Um, and there's a real sense of energy and something quite vital, it feels, from the Catholic community going on at the moment. And it seems to me extremely timely for a chance to, for this, this minority of, of, you know, devout Catholic people within England um, to be the prayerful centre of what we hope and pray would be a reorientation of the direction of this, this land and its people um, to be focused much more robustly and perceptibly on the will of God which of course it was before before we found ourselves in the position we're in today many centuries ago, um, going right back at least as far as the Anglo-Saxon period, it's very clear that there is, there's a very rich tradition that England has a special place in the heart of Mary, just as the heart of Mary had a very special place for the people of England. Um, <clears throat> it was in the early 11th century that the Feast of the Immaculate Conception was celebrated on the 9th of December at that point, um, uniquely in southern England, um, around Winchester, all the way down to Exeter, and I think up to um, Dagenham and Barking in the east of the south of England. And it was when the Normans arrived that there was this um, strange anomaly and that there was a, a members of, of Latin Christendom celebrating the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And there was great tension between the Anglo-Saxons and the Normans originally, because the Normans saw it as an Eastern thing and something that, that, that Latin Christians shouldn't be doing. And it was in the, the uh, close proximity of the peoples, the Anglo-Saxon peoples and the Norman peoples that, that the feast itself developed a proper theology, which of course reaches its highest expression really in blessed John Duns Scotus. Now, I might get in trouble if I claim him as an Englishman, because I think the town of Duns is actually now north of the border. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's close enough to be relevant, I think, without me upsetting <laughs> any of our Scottish brethren. Um, uh, I mean, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception itself is, is a distinctly... It was Yves Congar, the conciliar Dominican theologian, who said that the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception... Sorry, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception is the gift of England to the universal Catholicum. This is remarkable, and mm. I um, and this bond between England and Our Lady mm. uh, um, is it, it seems so significant. Uh, often, when you, when you, we talk about evangelization, we we often speak about it uprooted from culture or from history. Mm. It's as if it's the gospel and now, but in England, it seems a, a particular kind of English evangelization needs to take into account our history, our saints, our providential past i i i think rather than seeing that as a as a problem but it's mm. rather it it is the key indeed i mean i mean pope francis himself in a, in a moment of quite startling insight in evangelii gaudium um says that if you look at the the character of marian piety it's very distinctly cultural and historical um you know if you if you were to compare say our lady of walsingham our lady of guadalupe our lady of fatima they're, they're deeply contextual phenomena very deeply involved in the concrete realities of the particular places um, where these traditions have come from and their apparitions. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, there is, as you're right, there's something distinctly English about a very, a very concrete, a very rooted, a very historical, a very pragmatic approach to faith. Um, it's very much part of traditional understandings of, of an English sensibility. 
it tends to be much more focused on concrete particulars than, than big abstract schemes. So there's, there's really a coming together of the universal Marian tradition with something very distinctly English in this. And, and I think it goes, really goes to the core of English identity. In, I mean, you can, you can find roots of it in the Venerable Bede. Um, I find it very interesting that something that's completely unique to England, immediately after the Reformation, it's only in England that devotion to Our Lady was so strong, a mythos was created around the monarch um, that she was a virgin queen in Elizabeth I, which was a very clear, yes. strategic, and, and I think quite egregious and troubling um, symbol of a divine authority being awarded to a particular national identity, um, which has, of course, become deeply problematic and is, is deeply problematic for us as, um, as Catholics and members of the Universal Church. So it's a, it's a very profound centuries-long reorientation going on. I think that's how I understand it. Thank you for tuning into Divinitas and join us again next time. Uh, we'll be with you next week. God bless you and your family. Thank you for joining us on Divinitas today and for all the contributions people have made to this episode with uh, poems and very special thanks to our guests. I'm going to leave you with a poetic reflection on going to Mass uh, with one's guardian angel when one cannot be there oneself. It's linked to the whole idea of spiritual communion. It's from a book called St. Michael and the Angels, 1983 Tam Books. Someone sent this to me, and I thought it was a good way to end. I hope you can continue to pray through this difficult time and have a very blessed Holy Week as you join us. We'll be um, making a podcast at the weekend for the Easter Vigil, and uh, do tune in to us again. Thank you. Prayer for when you are unable to attend Mass. O Holy Angel at my side, Go to the church for me, kneel in my place at Holy Mass, where I desire to be. At offertory, in my stead, take all I am and own, and place it as a sacrifice upon the altar throne. At Holy Consecration's bell, adore with seraphs' love, my Jesus hidden in the host, come down from heaven above. Then pray for those I dearly love, and those that cause me grief, that Jesus' blood may cleanse all hearts and suffering souls' relief. And when the priest communion takes, O oh, bring my Lord to me, that his sweet heart may rest on mine, and I his temple be. Pray that this sacrifice divine may mankind's sins efface, then bring me Jesus' blessing home, pledge of every grace. Amen.